0: Get your release.
1: With Shrink, the anonymous armchair chat show.
0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome to what we call Shrink. And here on this program, we reach out to the global community where everyday folks can share their voices and say on an international platform what's really on their minds and hearts, and also get a chance to share their feelings, concerns, challenges, whatever it is. This is that show where we can get that release that we all need every now and then. I'm Jamal Aziz and I'm here with clinical psychologist, Dr. Ajaysha Long, how's it going?
1: It's going well, so glad to be here.
0: (laughs) All right, tell us a little about yourself.
1: So I am a licensed psychologist and I'm so glad to be on the show today. Um, because I believe that the role of a psychologist goes far beyond clinical work and just seeing clients and things of that nature. Um, I received my PhD in counseling psychology with an emphasis in health psychology from Ball State University. For me, most of my clinical work and my research up until this point has been about making the difference in making a difference in the lives of underserved populations, specifically people that look like me. Um, So black and brown communities. I have experience in a bunch of different clinical settings. I've worked in women's health clinics. Um, infectious disease departments, chronic pain centers, correctional mm. environments. So I have a wealth of different experiences in different backgrounds as it pertains to mental health. But one thing that I do realize is that there are some people that are just I'm never going to see. They're never going to come into a mental health clinic or they're right. never going to. Connect with a person like myself. So that's the reason why I love these types of platforms, because it gives me an awesome opportunity to reach out to people and to give information to people that I wouldn't typically run across.
0: Well, I'd like to say I'm very happy that you accepted my invitation to be a part of the show and I must say that your work and areas of expertise and the fact that you mentioned that the role of a psychologist goes beyond the office, it's, uh, it's very inspiring. So it's a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Thank you, glad to be here.
0: So today's discussion is something very prevalent for those of us in the dating world. You know, those who have loved and lost, um, those who play intimate relationships like a game And of course, those of us who are kind of left to pick up the pieces once that game is over. And uh, any of our listeners who have rolled the roller coasters of love know exactly what I'm talking about. And when this ride is over, sometimes you just don't know who you are anymore. So this episode, we're going to talk a little about trauma triggered by the dissolution of a toxic relationship and its aftermath so if you're new to the program here on shrinked we advocate that mental health awareness is absolutely essential for all of us to adapt evolve and survive in this ever-changing world so joining us on the show we have a couple of practicing professionals in the field of psychology including dr long who will be giving some pointers to those who share their voices and hopefully some of that advice will reach some of you out there listening if you're dealing with similar challenges And guys, we want to reiterate that this show is not a substitute for seeing a licensed professional. So if you or anyone you know is in dire need of psychological assistance, please reach out to a professional near you so that you can get the right treatment specifically for your situation. So now that that is out of the way, let's hear from our voice share. And of course, some of the names on the program are pseudonyms due to privacy concerns, which is totally okay. So let's hear it.
2: Hi, my name is Rachel. I'm 22 years old and I am struggling with identity crisis. I've been struggling with this for six months, uh, following a very nasty breakup with my ex-boyfriend. So, it used to matter to me a lot what he said about me. and when we were going through um, the hard time right before the breakup he said so many uh, nasty things to me and the names that he called me i believed it and i downgraded myself down to that level i put my worth my value down to what he said i was worth and because of that I didn't love myself I'm still struggling to love myself fully, Uh, I'm struggling with loneliness and heartbreak I'm struggling with trust, I can't trust people anymore I don't trust people, I can't let people in and I'm Now uncertain about my future and I'm living an unfulfilling life because I do not know where I stand, what I am, who I am because I let somebody define me and it's been difficult trying to redefine myself, trying to declutter my brain and tell myself how much I'm worth. And, yeah, that's my struggle.
0: And we'd like to thank Rachel for sharing such a delicate matter with us. Firstly, I'd like to say that this resonates a bit with me because on a personal level, I can remember a time when I felt whatever my partner said or thought of me meant everything especially when I was around the age of 22. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that can relate to some degree, regardless of how old you are. Uh, From Rachel sharing, it sounded like a little bit of toxicity there. Uh, She mentioned uh, name calling and God knows what names she was called, but I bet they weren't very dignified. Um, I heard some degradation. She said something about having to live down to what this person felt or thought of her. And um, I feel that that kind of comes when you have somebody in that equation that feels a bit threatened by the other person in some way, uh, maybe a little bit intimidated. Maybe this person has qualities that are outside or beyond the parameters that this person has put that person in. And they feel a need to, quote, put this person back in their place a little bit. So I think, yeah, maybe this degradation might have been a result of that could be cultural, could be, um, you know, a little bit of modeling there. Um, I also heard a little bit of valuation. And I think that this was feeling like this is all that you're good for kind of uh, mentality, you know, kind of capping someone's potential and So for me, it sounded a lot like, you know, virtually all realms of this person's identity and purpose was under attack in this relationship. So it's no wonder why, you know, she would feel a bit lost in terms of who she is and, you know, what she should strive to be, you know. And she mentioned identity crisis, but it sounds like the relationship was the major factor here, uh, you know, to me. But maybe it's something a bit deeper as well. Uh, Dr. Long, what, what stood out to you when you heard it?
1: Well, actually, several things. First, I'd like to just thank Rachel for her courageousness and sharing her story. Um, it takes a lot to put your vulnerabilities out there in the first place for everyone mm. to see. So I just want to thank her and acknowledge how difficult that might be. Yeah. What resonated with me from what she shared were the feelings of worthlessness and lack of value that she now feels as a result of this breakup. And this mm. is actually very common for many of us who have gone through a heartbreak. But sometimes it also signals to us that there may have been some wounds there previously. Because what Mm. relationships do, especially when they do not work out, is that they hold a mirror to us. And so we start to see a lot of ourselves by how our relationships are going. So Mm. um, when you think about, she talked a lot about, okay, well, I feel like my self-esteem has been lowered and I'm feeling worthless. Like I don't know who I am after this decision is over. I wonder what was her stance on those things before him. And as a psychologist, I want to put out there that the interesting thing is when we're talking about self-esteem and self-worth, that we actually get those things from our parents. They are our first relationships, And so they teach us everything about how we should be treated, how to treat others, what we should accept, what we shouldn't accept, our value and things of that nature. We get that from them. And so sometimes when we leave out of these relationships with these feelings of degradation, yes, oftentimes it is the relationship. But then oftentimes there is some self esteem. The foundation of self esteem was not there before the relationship. And this can really set us up to almost be attracted to people who mirror what we already don't have.
0: Mm, I see.
1: Another thing I wanted to say, especially as it kind of relates to worth and identity and value, is that what sometimes gets lost after we've come out of a tragic relationship especially if we were really attached is that human worth and value are attributes that we have simply because we exist so a lot of times we feel like we have to do something to be valuable right um we look at all these different external factors we're looking at whether we're married whether we're in a relationship uh, how much money we have what our career looks like things of that nature and, and for sure, those things do add to our quality of life. But when it comes to just this simple concept of being worthy or valuable, we are that at the core. But difficult relationships can make us lose sight of that. And it kind of makes us think that our value is attached to whether or not this person is present in our life or not. And that's not true.
0: You know, you make a really valid point that worth is inherent. And I have to admit that I I haven't heard that concept myself, that just by existing, that we have worth. And I also have the mindset that I need to do things and I need to uh, accomplish things to to gain worth. So I think that it's easy to fall into this trap, if you want to call it.
1: Yeah, it's very common in our society. But even when you think about someone who, let's say they're born and they really can't do anything for themselves because of some kind of condition or something of that nature, they still have the same worth and value as you and I, even if a person cannot contribute to society at all. Because again, you know, we have value and worth simply because we exist and not based upon what we can do.
0: Mm, I see. And I, I also think in this circumstance, With respect to toxic relationships, when you're an outsider, when you are um, maybe a friend or a a family member, a lot of us feel that the solution is just leaving. And I don't think we often factor in some of the lasting effects that they can have on us, even when they're over. We heard from the recording, uh, Rachel mentioning some of them, but uh, this trauma can often lead to depression, depression anxiety, disordered eating, low self-esteem, and also self-harm. And that's just to name a few because there's a whole lot more. Uh, Research shows that toxic relations can change us in a number of ways. And just to share some paranoia and mistrust, right? You know, a lot of victims find themselves in very, uh, you know, with a very real sense that everyone is out to get them. Kindness is just an illusion, you know, done only for personal gain And, of course, this also breeds this feeling of just guarding against everything and everyone. You feel like people are just out to manipulate you. So this uh, paranoia can affect, you know, it takes the forefront, really, in any type of relationship moving forward, you know, whether it's professional or intimate. And these uh, characteristics a lot of times create, you know, failure in future relationships as well. But they do, in a way, kind of serve as a protective mechanism from uh, you know, avoiding that type of pain again. So uh, they they do have usages, but it's just it doesn't breed better relations, which is essentially what we all need. Right. Definitely. And just to mirror that uh, avoidance of intimacy. So a lot of times, you know, victims of these types of relationships, they don't want to be intimate with anyone anymore because they feel that, again, there's this mistrust and you're going to try to manipulate me again. You're going to hurt me. So I have to protect myself. Yeah. And that can go on for uh, an extended period of time. And also, at least what I heard in Rachel's sharing was self-doubt. I think because of some of uh, the abuse that she sustained in that relationship, words like you're not good enough or you know you you make too many mistakes you ruined everything it's all your fault and just you know taking that in and sometimes it's not directly stated sometimes it's implied mm-hmm. you know throughout the course of time and you just you start to feel it and Definitely. and a lot of times this can make people feel that they deserve the cruelty that they're receiving from people and from you know the person that they're with because it's like well I'm just no good. So this is why this is happening. And this can, you know, play out in different areas of your life and in your career. I'm just not smart enough, or I just can't do it. You know, I'm not, I'm worthless. So I can't, of course, I'm not going to be promoted, you know, and it can go to your, um, you know, it can affect how you feel about your physical appearance, Uh, a lot of different things. So I I think that uh, this self-doubt is a doozy, especially when you feel that you're damaged goods. And this can be crippling uh, that you're just unworthy of whatever it is that you want. And also feeling like a sense of doom, like no matter what happens, everything is going to get worse and worse. And then you become, uh, and I've met quite a few people that are just kind of sarcastic or a cynic. Yes. They become really cynical about everything. And I think a lot of them, they just don't have, they can't associate with a lot of positive experiences. You know, all the outcomes tend to be negative for them. And and I think this is also an aftermath or a result of uh, people who have experienced these type of relationships too.
1: I agree. Definitely agree. Especially when it comes to cynicism. When we're Mm. cynical of others, what starts to happen sometimes is that we start putting up walls because we're trying to be, it's a protective mechanism. We're trying to prevent ourselves from getting hurt again. But what we know about walls is that they keep bad things out, but they also keep good experiences from coming in. So we kind of set ourselves up when we become cynical in a way that our life can right. almost be like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way, mm. right? To where right. we we expect bad experiences. So we act in a way that almost attract bad experiences. And that, wow. only, that only reinforces what we already think.
0: That's true. Yeah, I think so. I, I also feel that we learn by example and experience, you know? Right. Even though these uh, relationships are really unhealthy, you know, they can we can get really familiar with them. I think people can get used to just about anything. And like you said, they start, you know, we start to seek similar ones and others. And then when something positive comes along, like someone does try to treat you right, you mistrust it and you kind of look at it as, okay, hey, wait a minute, this person is no good. So in other yeah. words, in essence, it, it becomes like a template for future relationships. It's like you're looking for those same qualities, as you mentioned, in, in other people. And so they can become this like vicious cycle where again and again, your template for love is unhealthy. and But that's the only one that you have at that time.
1: Right. We know that typically what we focus on is what we'll get as well.
0: Right, right, right. Well, and as usual, there's no one size fit all approach to some of the matters that we discussed. But according to the professionals, there are a few tips to break free from the effects of toxicity. And one that I read about and I've experienced was uh, self-care. And I think this is this is finding time to care for yourself and to learn to care about yourself again. You know, and I think that this sure. is really important. I have a, a sister who's um, Coming out of a very difficult relationship, you know, as a family member, you know, I had my concerns, but that's one thing that she has done to kind of help her through that process. She's done a lot of like, you know, massages and, you know, going to the spa and just doing things that just, you know, alleviate stress. And I do it myself. And it's just a very, in a way, it's therapeutic and it kind of helps you get through. So I think self-care is, uh, is huge. It's another way of just, you know, induces healing and uh, rebalancing priorities. Cause I think at one, you know, in a lot of these relationships, your priority a lot of times is the other person instead of yourself. Right. And reconnecting is a big one. And I personally would say this is easier said than done. Uh, In these kinds of relationships, people do tend to be isolated a lot. Because when you're a family member and you're hearing the toxicity and then you want to give advice, and a lot of times you do, and it sometimes can be very harsh. And a lot of times it's from love. But the other person who's in that relationship, they don't see it that way they don't take it that way and a lot of times it can isolate them yeah and the, you know a lot of friends and family you know they try to help but it's not received as help and so mm-hmm. this person a lot of times can be isolated from friends and which is a and and family which can be kind of a dangerous place when this relationship you know does fall apart so reconnecting i think is is huge and just being able to be around people who do care about you and start the road back to being healed and being aligned with positivity. And of course, therapy, that's something that we advocate on the show. It's just nice to be able to sit and talk with somebody who has a compass, if you will, you know, some form of advice that can be given that will help you kind of steer you in the right way. Because I think that this is instrumental in helping to, you know, just to get some self-assurance and uh, self-esteem. Because a lot of these areas are kind of lacking when these relationships are over.
1: Yeah, and I just want to normalize the experience of emotions. Sometimes when we're in certain situations, we can kind of beat ourselves up. Like, I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling down. I sh- we can say, "Well, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I shouldn't be feeling that way." Mm. But the reality of it is, is that experiencing emotion is a natural part of being human. And so, as human beings, we are going to experience the full spectrum of emotions. So that means that yes, we are going to experience happiness and joy and glee and excitement and all of those things. But that also means that we're also going to experience pain and sadness mm. and disappointment. And that is part of being a human. So there are no bad emotions. And so I just want to put that out there that sometimes we're in when we're in this these spots, one of the best things that we can do is lean into the emotion. Because a lot of times we'll try to avoid it. We'll do different things to try to stuff it down because we think, well, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I should be in a different place. But when we speak to ourselves like that or when we say things like that, really what we're saying to ourselves is, I'm not human and I don't have the right to experience natural human emotions, which is not true. So definitely lean into that. And also remember that human worth is inherent. Again, we don't have to do anything to be valuable or worthy. It's not based upon where we work, what we can produce, what we contribute to society. We have value simply because we exist. And and therapy, as you mentioned, and things of that nature is going to be a really good tool to help you kind of process that. Because again, if that is not um, the type of environment that you came from, then you're not going to yeah. actually know those things. So again, as I right. said earlier, you know, our parents are our first relationship. And if we didn't hear these things from our caregivers or our parents, then how would we know? So many of us, what we end up having to do if our parents weren't able, weren't able to provide a certain programming is that we have to reparent. So that means that we have to try to give ourselves some of that affirmation, some of that validation and things of that nature that we did not get. Mm. Because just because we age doesn't mean we're still not going to need that. But we have to find a way to get it that we're not externalizing it and we're able to do it internal. And then mm. I would also say start to find out more about who you are as a person. Get curious. When we're in relationships, a lot of times we kind of just merge together with the next person. Our interests become their interests. We, a lot of times, stop doing The things that we were doing when we met the person that made us this individual and this great person that they were attracted to when they met us, because we were living in our lives and we had our individual characteristics and things of that nature. So find out who you are. Again, what do you like that's not connected to another person? Who are you that's not connected to a relationship, that's not connected to a job? What do you like? Those are important things to do as well.
0: Wow. Thank you for sharing that, you know, and I'm going to try my best to wrap my head around the notion of there are no bad emotions. I think there that that's no very emotions. powerful, but sometimes it certainly doesn't feel that way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, and I'm not saying that some of them don't feel different or more painful than others, but simply mm. some of us are not used to feeling at all, having to feel. Yeah. So what emotions do is that they tell us they communicate they tell us that there is something or somewhere that i need to pay attention to just the same as if you get um a cut or something on your body the reason that those pain sensors go off is because your body is trying to tell you i need to be taken care of right and that's the same thing that happens with emotions so if we look at them more as signals as opposed to oh this is this is a bad thing that needs to be pushed down it will kind of change our relationship with them a little bit because some of us will go to great lengths not to feel.
0: That's right. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that again, Dr. Long and folks. We also forwarded this voice concern to another professional and got a response. Uh, Joining us on the show today is uh, Dr. Thomas Markerson, who is a certified clinical psychologist working in Copenhagen, Denmark. He has specialized in cognitive behavioral therapy and occupational psychology. And we're very happy and privileged to have him as a guest expert on our show. So let's
3: hear what he has to say. Dear Rachel, uh, first of all, my sympathies. It's obvious that you are not in a good mood. There's not like party vibes over your problem. And um, whether it's an identity crisis or a trauma from a breakup or a depression that's i can't say but um that man that young man has been it sounds to me like he's been rude or perhaps even sadistic and it makes me wonder why you were with him to begin with and obviously i don't know it is only a hypothesis i've only heard you talk for two minutes about a situation so i can't know this but i've got a sense that you and this this guy both of you have daddy issues somehow because a man treating a woman in a really bad way will often have had some sort of poor relationship to his own father he hasn't had a good role model and he hasn't had a father to reel him in when he acted like an idiot and um, you may also have had a not too good relationship with your father because if you had had that then your sense of your worth in relation to men would have been intact even though this guy uh, treated you poorly. So uh, what to do about that? Well, first of all, you need to understand that that guy who treated you badly is one guy out of three billion on planet Earth. And he doesn't represent all guys. He's a young, he's, he's immature. He has not been um, civilized properly. If he had been civilized properly, he wouldn't have treated you like that. So you have to wash him out of your hair you have to forget all about him. He's, uh, if we were to be nice, we would say that he's a damaged kid, that he needs help. If we were talking uh, down at the bar, I would probably call him an idiot. So uh, forget all about him and um, go get living. Don't feel too sorry for yourself. Uh, know that everybody's got shame and everybody has negative thoughts and feelings about themselves. It's totally normal, but don't give in to them. Try and keep them in the periphery of your attention and, and put something meaningful in the center of your attention, like friends and music and sports and healthy eating, and and uh, fake it till you feel it. These emotions, they will get smaller and smaller with time. Just don't sort of stir them up all the time. Don't feel too sorry for yourself. We've all had boyfriends and girlfriends who didn't treat us well, we think. I know that sounds a bit harsh, but. I feel like uh, you could do with a pep talk, okay? And uh, all the best to you. I'm sure there's a great life for you. Okay, Rachel? Take it easy. Take care and try and have a positive mindset.
0: And we'd like to thank Thomas for contributing and sharing his advice. I really appreciate the fact that he mentioned uh, that this experience doesn't mean that all men will pick up where this guy left off and be exactly the same. But, you know, at this vulnerable time, of course, it could be really easy to think like that. But it is reassuring to know that, you know, no two people are the same. Right. That there's still a lot of opportunities out there to be with someone that's more suitable for who who you are. Mm -hmm. That's a simple notion to grasp. But when you're hurt and when you're bruised, a lot of us don't don't think like that. And so more often than not, the the new person that comes along is going to have it harder than the first. Right. And that could be because a lot of times we don't take that time to really calibrate or take in, so to speak, the lessons of that, why that relationship didn't work. And because of that, you know, that rebound sometimes we're susceptible to repeating some of those mistakes again, or looking for the wrong qualities, finding that same person in someone else. And so sometimes these things could happen again, as we mentioned earlier. So I just feel that being hopeful that there are much better companions out there because there are, and also turning the pain into confidence, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, just knowing that you gain some wisdom from it. And because of that wisdom, the likelihood of it happening again will be much less kind of like a, instead of a badge of honor, this is a badge of wisdom. You know that, you know, this experience has taught me something, you know, not that, you know, I'm not supposed to feel this way, or this is, you know, a horrible experience and I hope it never happens to anyone. Yeah. That sentiment is there too, but I think it's also important that everything that does happen to us, it's something, there's something in it that we could better ourselves in some way. And hopefully get that out to other people and hopefully other people can learn from, from your experience as well.
1: Yes, I definitely agree. Traumatic experiences can leave us feeling a lot of hurt and pain and they can almost force us to start putting people in categories as a defense mechanism. Mm. And so that's something that's extremely, extremely common. One thing I want to note is that There is no love without risk. Mm. So as you stated before, there's incredible growth that can come from painful circumstances and things of that nature. And when we go into these defense mechanisms where we're putting people into categories again, that's all putting up a wall again. Of course, we need to know how to discern and, and pick partners and things of that nature. But we keep, like I said, we keep back good experiences from coming in when we start to operate on autopilot. So what I mean by there is no love without risk is that understanding that putting ourselves out there and dating, if we want a partner, if we want love, it's always going to involve some level of of risk or some level of vulnerability because you're always dealing with an unknown factor, which is another person. So you can show up your very best self, right? And still there'd be a risk there because we never know, we can hope that people do their best with us, but we never know what the next person is gonna do. But we also have to look at what's that risk worth? You know, I don't remember who said this, But there was a quote that said, I'd rather have loved and lost than to not have loved at all, right? Mm -hmm. And for some people, the desire for partnership is so great that they would rather risk the hurt, the being vulnerable, things of that nature, because love is something that most people want a chance with. And so looking at this situation, even a reframe is important, like you said, How can I come out of this? What is the lesson that I can take? Because it doesn't have to be a complete loss. Mm -hmm. I can always pull something from it. Even when you think about trauma, in the mental health world, you hear a lot about post-traumatic stress disorder. But we know that there's also something called post-traumatic growth, which means that there is immense, for some people, immense value, growth, and development that can come from a negative experience.
0: That's right. Wow, post-traumatic growth. That's another first one for me. Thank you so much for sharing that, (laughs) uh, Dr. Long. (laughs) No problem. So Rachel, I hope you heard something that can be of use or at least understand a little more that as uncomfortable as things were for you, sometimes these relationships can give more wisdom, not just about what you want or what you don't want in the future, but also can be a tool to look inward and define yourself. You know, there's a whole world of different people out there who may feel a certain way about this or that, what a man is, what a woman is, our roles and capabilities. And, you know, I think that's okay. You know, I think when it becomes a problem is when we accept someone else's assessment of who they think we are and what we're capable of, especially when that assessment undermines our potential and self-determination. And, you know, love can do that sometimes. I think when we fall in love, we give that right to someone else. And more often than not, they abuse that right. So instead of falling in love, which kind of implies helplessness, I advocate to, well, stand in love. Because standing in love denotes that you're both grounded in who you are and cultivate growth and the best out of each other. I mean, isn't that what intimate relationships are all about? And if you're anyone that's not doing that, it may be time to reevaluate your involvement.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I really like that sentiment. Stand in love. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing that healthy partnerships require two people that can stand up as individuals, right? Sometimes we think when we go into these situations, we think that we have to lose ourselves. But when you think about a partnership, You know, there's actually three different relationships within that partnership. You have the relationship that one partner has. You have the relationship that the other partner has with themselves. And then the one that you all have together. Mm. And in order to create that type of foundation, this requires knowing who you are and what you deserve and finding someone whose personal mission aligns with
0: yours. Mm, Very powerful. Beautifully said. So for those of you who have made it to the end, that wraps us for this episode of Shrinked, and folks we're actively pursuing more voice contributions for the show so if there's anything you'd like to share or get off your chest send us an email and we'll get back to you as soon as possible and i hope your day gets a bit brighter after listening in and be sure to join us next time for more sessions i'm jamal aziz
1: and i'm dr long
0: (laughs) take it easy folks we'll see you next time